Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher. And I'm Michelle Redfern. And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle. Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand in hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass boot camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time. And you'll be working through in three weeks. So, yes, it's short, sharp, and high impact. All of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So, you'll cover BQ, EQ, and SQ, and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com, or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction. You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars, Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Welcome, dear listeners, to the Lead to Soar podcast. My name is Mel Butcher. I'm a co-host and producer of the show, and I'm so glad you're here with us. So if you're returning, thank you so much for joining us again. And if you're new to Lead to Soar, welcome. At Lead to Soar, we are all about supporting ambitious women. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars, which is an organization, a networking space, and a platform where ambitious women like you can get access to careers and courses to support you in reaching your highest level career goals. So if you haven't checked us out already, we would love if you would come on over and visit us. You can access a career that soars by visiting leadtosoar.com and clicking the ACTS link. All right, let's talk about today's show for a moment. The topic today is EQ or emotional intelligence and understanding what you cause. So this is the question that Michelle really wants you to think about is in your day-to-day career and certainly in your leadership, what do you cause? Do you know? Are you aware? We're going to get into that today. Now, I want to preface this and give you an apology. We had some pretty substantial audio difficulties in recording this particular episode. So we've done our best to adjust the levels and make it clear, make the volume level for all of the voices, but it is a little off. It's a little bit difficult. So we apologize if this one's a little difficult to listen to but the content is important. So we'll jump right into it now. EQ and emotional intelligence. What do you cause? With Michelle Redfern and myself, Mel Butcher. 
Michelle, it's so nice to be here with you on Lead to Soar again. Yay! This is one of my favorite things to do, Mel, and I'm so <laughs> pleased to be here. No, it is. I love it. I absolutely love it. Who knew that someone who was so slow to adopt podcasts would then just be going, oh my God, I can't wait to record another episode of my own. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, we're both podcast lovers, and uh, I. I'm so passionate about it because it's such a great way to get free information, free info that can help you, and in this case, help you advance in your career. Oh, 100%. You know, all of those books that, that I've bought and, and read and oh, I, wish, I wish a podcast like ours and, and like many others had been around when I was a, particularly an emerging leader who, who, needed, who needed like virtual mentoring. So yeah, it's cool. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get into it today with our topic that's, it's related to EQ, but you have a story to start us off with. So I just want to open the floor to you. Tell us your story. Thank you. Well, here's my story. So I, uh, many of you who've listened along will know that I ended my corporate career, <clears throat> my, my executive career at one of Australia's biggest banks, the National Australia Bank. And, uh, and then I started this career. So, um, but as when I was there, well, I was only there for three and a half years, but I was invited to participate in an executive leadership program. And for the life of me, I can't remember what it's called, but anyway. However, so we spent uh, a group of us, so we were typically, you know, the kind of top 200 leaders, that cohort would spend our time on a retreat. Well, we didn't go on a retreat. We had a retreat to our executive floor. But anyway, we had this, this course uh, program that was a few days long. And part of the program was, or the ending part of the program, we'd done a whole lot of reflection on leadership, leadership in the context of the organisation, hearing stories about leadership, particularly from the leaders of the bank, the executive leaders of the bank. Our task was to document our leadership philosophy and our leadership story. Now, I absolutely love leadership. So I went into this program with eyes wide open, arms wide open, heart wide open, thinking, I just can't wait. This, I just any leadership course over the course of my career, I, I would jump into wholeheartedly because I, I just wanted to be the best that I could be, and I just loved it. So I'm in there with you know eyes agog and listening to these amazing people talk and doing some great exercises, and we get to the end and our, our task right. So you need to go away. You need to document your leadership story and your leadership philosophy. Okay, cool. So now, as part of this program, we had heard our leader, um, the most senior people in the bank, including the CEO, talk about their leadership philosophy. So what were, what were the things that formed them, shaped them, taught them, and made them into the leaders and the humans that they had become? So I trotted off, and we were um, given, I don't know, two or three weeks to write it up and kind of submit it back to the, the program organisers. So I did what I always did and I, I wrote a, a beautiful piece of, of literature <laughs> and it was awesome and I just thought, oh, what a lovely piece of writing this is. 
And then my friend, Nick, um, who was a, a colleague of mine, rang me this day. He said, hey, I've done my leadership story and my philosophy. Can I, can I have some time with you? Because I'd really like you to check it or I'd, li I'd like you to hear it before I submit it. I said, sure, you can hear mine too. Because oh, yeah, I've done mine. So we go and sit down uh, in a, one of the meeting rooms or meeting areas at the bank and he starts telling me his leadership story. Oh my God, Mel, I, I was in tears within, I don't know, probably five minutes. And it was the most moving recount of how this human had become who he was. Now, this was a guy that I really, I liked a lot. I respected him. I trusted him. I just, he was just a really good guy. And I looked at him and I went, wow. And I just got him immediately. And I thought, and now I know why you are what you are, how you are, the way you are. And I just looked at him and said, wow. So we were both, you know, very emotional. Anyway, so he finishes and I just went, wow, that's fantastic. Now I get you. I get you totally. I really liked you anyway, but I totally get you as a leader. And he said, right, let's hear yours. I said, oh, I've just ripped mine up and thrown it in the bin. <laughs> and he said, what? I said, Nick, I, I've just, I did what I've done with a whole bunch of things in my life. I, I wrote a beautiful theoretical piece and I did not dive deep into myself. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I, I wanted what I thought other people wanted to hear. I said, I wrote with my career in mind. I wrote with positioning myself in mind. I said, I did not write with myself in mind. I did not write with any kind of self-discovery, learning or anything else. <laughs> Okay. And I said, so I've just had the most giant freaking epiphany that I need to go back to the table and do this again. And he said, okay. So I did. And it took me quite a while. And I really did. I, I did. I really dug deep back into, I did the exercise properly. I went back over the course of my life. And the first question I asked myself is, why? Why do I consider myself a leader? So when people say I'm an engineer or I'm a technologist, or I'm a de I just say my profession is I am a leader. I'm a, I, I am, I'm a leader. That's my thing. But why? And then I started to think, why, when was the first time I became aware that I was a leader? I thought I was a kid. And why do people, and people, oh, you're a natural born leader. You're a, you know, oh, you're always, Michelle's always going to be out the front. You know, pick a captain for the blah, blah, it'll be Michelle. You're always leadership, destined for leadership. But why? What made me become a leader? So I, I really did dig deep. And it was, it became, after my first flirt with inauthenticity, I became the one of the most, one of, and, and this is part of, so for those of you who've heard my beautiful um, autobiography that Mel, interview that Mel did with me, Who Am I? You'll know that I had a range of different experiences that have led me to where I am today doing what I'm doing. But this was one of those experiences that, that was all coalescing at the same time. It was so profound that I really did reevaluate what it was and who, who I was and why. So it was, cool. it was great. great. Okay, so we've got to, I feel, paint... A little bit more of a picture here for our listeners. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Mm -hmm. In Nick's story, can you share with us an example that stood out to you 
that was personal and meaningfully led to his leadership. Yeah. He, he talked about his parents and his upbringing in New Zealand and the fact that his parents were really hardworking. Yes, they had a business, uh, but their business was more, more than just profit or just you know, selling stuff and making profit. They were members of a community. And he learned about the value of really young of being a leader that, does, that is not a CEO of a listed company. It's not of a leadership and it's, it's just resonates because this is what Susan, you and I talk about. Leadership manifests itself at every level and in many ways. So it's not about an organisational chart. So that story that Nick told me about his mum and dad and how they were members of the community, leaders in the community, the kinds of things that they were doing, really, it really, it set off a whole bunch of thoughts and emotions for me because I went, that's my mum and dad as well. My mum and dad are like they're leaders, they, they were leaders in our community and that's where I learned about community leadership, about doing good, about being selfless and making society better. And I went, so there was just this, it was this like cacophony of um, experiences. I was hearing about Nick's then immediately thinking, oh my God, my mum and dad, which was why it became really emotional for me because I went, there's these folks, and I'm getting goosebumps talking about it now, actually. There's these two people who were just so way ahead of their time, my mum and dad, and as were Nick's. And we, it was just a chance to stop and say, hey, that's where I first learned about leadership. But I didn't know it. So, yeah, that, it was hugely very, very profound. Thank you for that. And now I want to ask us to rewind here a bit. Yep. So before yep. you heard Nick's story and you wrote this theoretical piece, tell us a little bit about what that was like. Like, can you give us a, an example line from that? Not verbatim, but just kind of like the essence of it. Well, it, there's, there's this whole piece about, um, for me, it was, you know, I'm, Oh, look, I probably used every buzzword and phrase around leadership that I could, Mel. So, I, like, there's no doubt that I, look, I know how to work a room, and I know how to I know how to position myself, and I know I know how to talk the talk. Um, so I did it. I did. I managed expectations and perceptions. So, and and look. I think as a, as a piece of fiction writing, it was freaking awesome. <laughs> I, actually, I'm, I'm being a bit unkind to myself. So there were, there were absolutely elements of me there, but it did not dig deep. It didn't go beyond the superficial. And what I'd also done around the same time was I was having some really terrific counselling. As you know, I, I'm really focused on always on mental wellbeing. And I often will go to a counsellor just to, you know, get some new tools and blah, blah, blah. And, at, and around the same time, and it was probably after I heard Nick's story, I first became acquainted with Brene Brown and the vulnerability TED Talk. And so I had this kind of, oh my God, who is this, this inauthentic, uh, armoured up person that I am? And that's what I've been presenting to the world all these years. And look, absolutely not untrue, but only letting elements, only letting certain elements of myself be visible. And yeah, so Nick and, and Brene Brown, you know, you both changed the way I view, view myself as a leader. But oh, 
I, I stop to examine why I'm a leader, what I bring, how I bring it and why that is, but also then I decided very, very deliberately to step into my vulnerable, authentic, courageous self as a leader because I thought I had this I knew that I was holding back, and as a result of holding back, I wasn't delivering what I so valued in leaders, which was what I needed from them, which was authenticity, which was who are you really, what do you bring, what can I count on you for? And I thought, no one knows what they can count on me for because they don't know me. They don't know who I am because guess what? I don't really know who I am, and I don't really know what I bring because I've never stopped to think about it. So that was, you know, there was... As I said, there was, a, there was a whole bunch of things going on for me that were very, very profound around this period in my life, and that was one of them. So, it, it, yeah, I, I just want people to, I, I want leaders to understand that there's more than a self-help book in leadership. There's more than, we've got to dig deep and really know who we are. So that EQ part, the first part of, I, I talk you know, Dr. Daniel Goleman, who did not, did not invent EQ, but he certainly has brought it to a wider audience. Self-awareness is the first part, but self-leadership and self-management is the second part. And that's why I want, to, I want people to know, what are your cores? Yes, I can be aware. Yes, I, I can know who I am and what I am and what I do, but what is the impact my behaviour as a leader, as a human, has on the people around me, in my ecosystem? And for those of you who have listened to, to our stuff around networking and strategic networking, this is a really critical part of being an effective, authentic leader with great strategic networks because people will trust you when they know that you trust yourself. Yep. Oh, okay, so let's try to break some of that down. You mentioned EQ and yep. we're talking about emotional intelligence. So EQ is kind of the analog to IQ. Um, so there's a breakdown. I, before. I, I love that, the analog to IQ. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, so there's, there's a breakdown that, there's a breakdown of EQ uh, by the gentleman that you talked about. I wonder if you could just explain that at a high level to our audience. Yeah, um, so Dr. Daniel Goleman is, is someone that I, I highly recommend. Uh, anyone who's interested in this has a look at. He's got plenty of articles on, well, his own articles. Um, Harvard Business Review publish a lot of his stuff. So, um, so emotional intelligence, as you said, the analogue to uh, IQ, uh, intellect. Um, so it, it is really around you know, who are we? And so the domains and the competencies around emotional intelligence, first of all, as I said, is self-awareness. So emotional self-awareness. So what do I react to? How do I react? You know, when something, when X happens, what's Y reaction? You know, everything has an opposite um, and equal reaction. So, you know, what makes us happy, sad? Um, what makes us contemplate our navels? You know, all that kind of stuff. So that, 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 that make up my, that, that drive my emotions. But then the second part of that uh, is self-management or self-leadership. So emotional self-control. So sure, I might, I might see, um, you know, the barista might get my coffee wrong and I get, you know, I, I get a, an espresso instead of a flat white. So, and I'm like, oh God, I'm annoyed at that. And my emotional self-control tells me, okay, Michelle, don't sweat the small stuff. This is just a coffee. Enjoy a new experience. If I'm not managing my self-control, I, I, you know, 
go postal, have a, have a go at the barista, and I behave like a complete moron, self-entitled moron. Um, it's around um, being able to adapt. So adaptability. How do I, uh, you know, adaptive leadership? So how do I adapt to different circumstances? Am I rigid in my views, um, and in, am I? able to be okay just in certain circumstances or do I have the ability to, to flow or adjust to the flow and adapt, um, particularly in terms of my behaviour. Um, achievement orientation, which is, you know, uh, are you determined, for, for me, the, the way I interpret my, my desire, I should say, to keep getting better and better at managing who I am and my thoughts and my feelings and my emotion to have better impact on other people and a positive outlook. So self-management's really about saying, I know who I am, but I'm not ruled by my emotions. I let my emotions teach me, uh, and yes, they form me, but I, I do that. The social awareness part, which is the next domain, is having empathy and but though any of you who have ever listened to me, you know that particularly in the work I do around inclusion, diversity, belonging, if we don't have empathy, you know, you're actually you're just deluding yourself. So having empathy, so the ability to not sympathise but empathise. So I can, I can walk a mile in Mel's shoes. I can understand what it must, might be like for her because I've listened and I understand. And in the context of leadership and organisational leadership, this is organisational awareness. And for those of you who have ever said, oh, I don't do politics, this is about saying there are politics, there are dynamics in organisations, always. Anytime there's more than one person in the room, i.e. yourself, there are dynamics because we are humans and we will create dynamics. So becoming aware of those dynamics um, and, and you know, so we layer upon layer here. And then the, the fourth domain is relationship management. And I've got a, I've, I've got a grid that I can, we can share in the show notes um, around this so that people can follow along later on. Now that relationship management, and again, this is a lovely tie into the work we do around strategic networking. You know, strategic networking is building that, that no respect, trust relationship with the right others. So influence. Not all of us are going to be able to tell people, all people, what to do. There's very few people who can. How do you influence people to and, and be persuasive? Being a coach and a mentor to others. Um, managing conflict really well. So, you know, and again, thinking about how does conflict make you feel? For me, I, I don't enjoy conflict at all, except in the construct of debate about stuff. But conflict management, teamwork, uh, and inspirational leadership. So re relationship management is a part of this as well. So that's the four domains, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. The, this is the foundations or the cornerstone of really terrific, authentic, vulnerable, courageous leadership. You're listening to Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. A Career That Soars, or ACTS, is an organization, a networking platform, and a place for career women to learn and connect. Our founder, Susan Colantuno, envisioned a group that would embrace women from all backgrounds and support one another towards achieving their highest career ambitions. Learn more about what you can get from ACTS by visiting leadtosoar.com and clicking the ACTS link.
There's so much juicy stuff in here. Um, <laughs> you know me, why say five words when 500 would do? <laughs> I, I feel like um, there could be, I feel like there could be a whole discussion on just, well, wearing the mantle of leadership. Um, yep. So leading when you don't have the title or, you know, air quotes, authority. Uh, so I love that, but you know, um, all these things that we're that we're circling around here with with emotional intelligence. I wonder, genuinely curious, and audience, I don't know her answer to this question. Genuinely curious, how would you overlay this with our three part definition of leadership? Very, very easy. <clears throat> so. Number one, so three-part leadership definition, using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by engaging the greatness in others. So the self-awareness, self-management piece is absolutely about using the greatness in you. Now, you cannot use the greatness in you if you don't know what it is. <laughs> so, uh, and, and using the greatness in you, if, if we think about it's your, it's your values, it's your personal purpose, it's your worldview, it's it's the way you see the world and what you bring. And the words that, when, when I do workshops with women uh, and we start to, because one of the very first parts of, uh, of the leadership program that I run is let's define leadership together and let's use words and phrases. So we're talking about courage and vision and we're talking about um, commitment and charisma and you know, all of these things that we talk about in terms of personal greatness. So the personal greatness is very much around the self-awareness, the self-management. The social awareness and the relationship management is absolutely about engaging and aligning, because engaging the greatness in others, because we want to look for the greatness in others. We want to seek it out. We want to suspend judgment. We want to engage those people, all of those people in our network, in our ecosystem, wherever we are. So that's the organisational awareness. Be aware of the dynamic um, and then be able to influence and coach and mentor, manage conflict so that we can get everyone aligned towards what it is the organisation needs to do, the strategic financial goals, the purpose, the mission of the organisation. So this overlays perfectly. And because the two, and, and where, I guess, where EQ really fits in well, but on its own is incomplete, uh, is, um, as you said, it's the analogue to IQ. We need the IQ or we need the, you know, what, are we, what is it that we're here to do that achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes? So EQ, IQ, um, bluntly, our, our, our leadership definition covers both EQ and IQ. The how and the what and the why. It's it's perfect. Michelle, I want to ask you to tell us a little bit more on the personal front. So you had this aha experience. You went back to the you went back to your notebook to do a rewrite. What happened when you did that? What came out? So what came out? Hmm. Yes. I might have had the assistance of a couple of glasses of wine just to, you know, get me in the, in the zone. I'm not I'm, um, advocating for alcohol-based leadership exercises, by the way. But anyway, 
I, what came out for me was really, uh, and I'm going to get very personal now. So for that, in that particular part of my life, was only the second time that I'd really allowed myself to open up and be very, very real and genuine about who I was and what made me tick, both to myself and to an external person, so to a therapist, a, a counsellor. So I'm, I'm in this mode of, well, you know what, it actually takes less effort to be authentic than inauthentic. So what came out for me was I really started to think, well, why why am I a leader and what do I value and how do I bring all of the things that really make me, that really get my wind up, how do I bring that into leadership? So I discovered that the stuff that made me very, very happy, why it made me happy in leadership. So, you know, I would have really good days, but never really stopped to think what made them a good day then I knew, oh, okay, so this is the, okay, so I'm, I'm working out why I would have good days and why I would have not so good days. <laughs> and, the, and it started to really shape my thinking about what's next for me. Now it was, <clears throat> it was, so it was useful from a, how do I plan the next part of my career, the next part of my life, because I suddenly knew, well, now I know what I want. And for those of you who have ever been at that point, you're going, I know I kind of need to move on or do something else, but I don't know what I want. It helped me really, really crystallise what I wanted. It also made me very, very clear about what I no longer wanted and what no longer served me. And there's this great saying um, that, you know, bullshit might get you there, but it won't keep you there. Well, it actually does, to be honest, because I, I kept there through a lot of bullshit for a long time. But anyway, this kind of... You've got to know your own shit and you've got to deal with it so that you can bring good shit to other people. So, you know, it's there's this whole, I knew that I needed to let people see the truly authentic me because for the first time I discovered really, truly, really, genuinely that I liked myself, that I really valued who I was as a leader. I'm like, you're going to get a bit emotional now because I'd been coasting through life and doing very well, but I had never really valued who I was as a leader because I was so busy trying to please other people and be what I thought other people wanted me to be. So I decided that I would just be me and because I really liked me and I was able to say that out loud for the very first time. At the, in, in my 40s, but I really liked who I was. I really, I, I wanted to stop hiding behind stuff. And an example I would give, and um, I only talked about this recently with a group of, of people on our Coffee, Cocktails and Connections in a career that soars, was in the context of restructures in organisations, um, when I worked at Telstra, I did a number of restructures and I was really good at it. And I was good at it and the bosses valued me because I was able to get stuff done and get the restructures done. Now, I, at the time, I valued their opinion, but I also cared deeply about people. And I cared deeply that people through restructures, redeployments and redundancy processes, that they were treated with, with respect and with dignity 
but I didn't overtly and consciously value that enough at the time. In hindsight, and when I did this exercise about understanding who I was as a leader and starting to be authentic, I decided that I wanted to really be very authentic and very open and very genuine about the fact that I love people and I really care for people. People in my teams, I love. And I wanted to say that out loud, not hide it. So I'd been, I remember someone at Telstra saying, God, Michelle, what is it that you give your people? And I went, what are you talking about? They said, they're all being redeployed, you know, so no one was losing their jobs in this case. And, and this guy said to me, he goes, but they don't care where they go as long as you're there. And I went, oh, that's, that's nice. But, you know, completely dismissed it and downplayed it. And, but that was what I could, that's what I can bring to people. I can help them reach their full potential. I was really good at it because I really cared and I really want everyone, every human to be valued and treated with dignity and respect. So I stopped hiding that part of me. That's a very real example, Mel. I stopped hiding the part that I loved people and I care for people in organisations. Yes, I get shit done for the organisation. I absolutely, I will get the top line and the bottom line going, but I cannot do that in isolation from the people that I lead or that I work with. Um, and I wanted to bring that to the front. So I started using the word love a lot more. And I was, I, I was letting my, my compassion and my kindness and the stuff that I really liked about myself that I was discovering, I was letting that be shown and be visible. And guess what? Had some great outcomes. Hugely successful team, got a lot of stuff done. But I shared, oh, sorry, and I got off track there, but one of the part of this exercise, so that was a really important part for me, but then the, the process part that must not be missed when, when people go through this exercise, when, when leaders examine who they are and what they bring, communicate it. So I, I made a choice um, that I would communicate my leadership philosophy to some people, uh, groups of people that I really valued. The first being my parents, because uh, they're such a big part of my philosophy. And I did that at my 50th birthday and told them in front of a whole bunch of other people how much they meant to me and how they'd shaped me. And then I told the team that I was leading, this is who I am. I, I read them my leadership story and my philosophy uh, then my peers. And I've done it a number of other times and I've shared it with, with groups that I've worked with in, in a career that's all. So I've just finished a, a six-month program with a group of women uh, mentoring to advance and I shared my leadership philosophy with them. So sharing it, don't keep it to yourself. So when you understand yourself, share it because people who you lead want to know what they can expect from you. What do you bring? How, what can they count on you for? And that's, that's what I wanted people to know. They could count on me to get shit done, but with kindness, with compassion, with love, with dignity, with respect, all that kind of stuff. So that was, it was liberating. We initiated today's discussion because we wanted to talk about this, this concept of, as a leader, what do you cause? Mm. And you wrote a really wonderful blog post on this that uh, we'll definitely share in the show notes. Uh, it's called, Have You Ever Wondered What Your Leadership Actually Causes? And there's a series of questions in here that you could ask yourself. So I thought maybe I could share a few of these and you could talk about them a little bit, maybe break them down a bit. Yep. 
Okay. So the first question is, what happens when you walk into a room? <laughs> yeah. What happens when so, you walk out of a room? <laughs> so, and when you stop to think really deeply, so when you walk into a room, are people going, yay, Mel's here. Woohoo, so glad to see her. Or yay, Mel's here. Thank goodness we can get stuff done. Or yay, Mel's here because blah, blah, blah. Or yay, Mel's here because she's the expert in X, Y, Z. Or is it, Mel's here. God, this is going to be a hard meeting. Actually, I should say Michelle's here because that would have been how people viewed me. Oh, my God, here she comes, the hard ass. She's going to ask 47 annoying questions and just be an antagonist. I'm actually being a bit unkind to myself. <clears throat> so, yeah, what, what happens? And when you walk out, do they go, oh, thank God, or, oh, well, I wish she could have stayed longer. I had so many more questions for her. So that's a really great, it's a great way to go. I'm, I wonder what people think and feel and, and more on the feel. What do people feel when I enter into their orbit? Is it good? Is it not so good? Is it, <laughs> or do they not think at all because I'm just so, I'm just irrelevant, you know? Um, what do you cause? In and out of a room, it's, it's a great way to kick off. Good, good piece of self-reflection. Mm. And then I feel like this one could go in so many different ways. How do you show up as a leader? Mm. So we talk about being for the business in the context of, of leadership. And there's no they or them when you're a leader. So oh, them, they did this management, blah, 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 insert some kind of criticism. As a leader, when you are for the business, you are you show up as someone who is for the business all the time. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't question things that don't appear right. It doesn't mean you don't question the status quo so that we get better and better and better at providing the good services and experiences that, that your organisation provides. But it, mean, it also means that you have to say, well, how are people perceiving me here? Am I, am I for the business when I'm in... I don't know, let's say that the leadership town hall, I'm, am I asking curious questions that are you know, genuinely curious and in service to everyone else here? Or am I slumping in my seat, looking resentful and bored and pissed off? There's just so many different, you're right, Mel, there's so many different ways that you can um, work on showing up as a leader. But showing up as a leader means that there is no doubt in anyone's mind in that whole room, you are a leader. And I'm not talking about your role title and your position on an organisational chart. The leader is the person, you know, when you're in any kind of gathering, we go, oh, we should do this. And everyone turns to a particular person. They go, what do you think, Mel? Because Mel's the leader. Because you're the one who, they're waiting to be led by you. So it doesn't matter what your position is, the leader. So are you showing up as a leader? You work out what showing up as a leader is and then you do it. Um, and ask people how to lead. Ask, go and ask your boss. Better still ask your boss's boss. This is a great way to also represent yourself as a leader. Hey, boss's boss, how do leaders show up in your opinion? And wait for their response because you're going to get some gold. Whether they answer or not, you're going to get some gold. It's so true. Show up. <laughs> yep. 
On this next one, I'd like to ask you to share some of your own experiences with this question. Do you know who you are called to become as a leader? Yeah. So, and this, this goes right back to the beginning of our discussion, Mel, who, you know, who are you called to become? And for me, this was the, this was the cornerstone for me examining um, who I am as a leader, what I bring, yeah, all, all of this stuff that we're talking about, what I cause. Now, interestingly, that question, when this leadership retreat that I was on, we, and I, I can't remember in what part uh, we, we did this exercise, but basically you went up, you grabbed a card out of a box and then it was a question and you had to answer the question when you were you know, called. And that was my question. Who are you called to become? And I thought, oh, the universe has given me exactly the right question. And for me, it wasn't about the next job title, so I'm called to become the executive general manager of blah, 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 blah. No, it wasn't that. Who am I called to become? And it started that, uh, that really deep examination of, okay, um, who am I called to become? And for me, I, I am called to become a person. What I am, my role, my purpose in life is to help remove boxes and labels and limiting beliefs. It was just it's such a, an important part of my leadership philosophy that I don't, I know that the world wants to put us in boxes and put labels on all of us. And, and I get that that's important in some respects, but it becomes limiting. So I'm called to become a leader, a human who removes the boxes and the labels and the limiting beliefs from organisations and cultures that stop all humans from reaching their full potential. And it was, yeah, who am I called to become? So who are you called to become? What are you meant to be when you grow up is another way of looking at it. Or what do you bring to the world? How will you define a life well lived? One of my other great friends and colleagues, um, Steve, he was... Uh, oh, gorgeous man and um, he was actually he headed up uh, our pride um, our pride employee resource group at, at the NAB he used to call himself the chief gay officer he was gorgeous anyway so Steve um, he was great because he would say things like you know what are what are we meant to be but then when his beautiful mum passed away one of the most lovely things I heard him say about her was I'm sad that she's gone but she, gee she had a life well lived and that's another, yeah, what does a life well lived mean to you? So it's a, it's a hugely important thing. Who are you called to become? Do you want to get shit done for your career? Well, I suggest that you join the Get Shit Done Experience in a career that soars. The GSD experience is for women who want to take time out of their full lives to reconnect with themselves, their ambition, they want to kickstart their what's next career plan, plus connect and expand their network of driven and ambitious women. Put simply, the GSD experience is for women who are ambitious and driven. Women who want an accountability partner to give them a kick in the butt when needed. Women who want to supercharge their motivation and confidence. And women who want to either define or make their next big move. Join us over at A Career That Soars for the Get Shit Done Experience.
That reminds me, I was talking with uh, this couple that I'm friends with, and my friend's husband had really struggled to find a path in life. He was struggling in particular, just finding what major to do in school. And eventually, he decided to go down the path of nursing. And he said, I always felt this fear of the idea of hell being that you meet the person that you could have become, you meet the version of you that's the best version of yourself, and see such a huge gap when your life is over. And after he became a nurse and found this deep fulfillment from caring for other people, he said, I'm not afraid to meet that person anymore. Oh, I like that. Yeah, there's, um, you know, way back, way back when in leadership stuff, because as I said, I've done a lot of leadership development, um, happily because uh, yeah, nerdishly that's all I wanted to do so we, we used to be asked to do you know write your eulogy write your eulogy for your funeral and that's a way of developing your purpose now I'm not I'm not dissing that because I, I think that, that was you but I think I prefer an exercise that um, is think about a significant birthday in your future and the, the and I know this particular exercise. It was lovely. It was like almost like a guided meditation or a visualization. And the the woman doing it. Oh God, I can't remember her name. She had the most remarkable long red hair. Anyway, how shallow of me. But um, she said, I think it was. She said your ninetieth birthday. And she so we had our eyes closed, visualizing. And she said, you can. You're walking along the street. You hear the tinkling of music. You can see an event. You look through the windows and it's your 90th birthday and you can see yourself and your loved ones and the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she did all of this setup and it was great. And then she said, your nearest and dearest, get up and start talking about you and celebrating your life and, you know, commemorating you. What are they going to say? What are they saying about you? And, you know, it was at the time, oh, sorry, doing this exercise for the first time, I thought, oh, they're not going to say, gee, she cleared her email inbox every Friday night. <laughs> she, she nailed the you know, XYZ report for blah, blah, blah. And it was one of those, and again, you know, one of those things that I paid attention to. I thought, what will people say about me? Oh, she worked really, really hard. Um, or... Yeah, what did she? What, what are they going to say about me? So I know it's, you know, reflective practice is, you know, it's not just all woo-woo and gratitude journals. And if you find that useful, good on you, um, and and whatever. But it is about saying. So what? To, back to my darling chief gay officers. You know, what does a what is a life well lived? What are they going to say about you at that significant birthday? I used to say seventy. Now I say ninety because seventy is a bit closer than it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Oh dear. So it's this is the kind of stuff that I want our listeners to stop, breathe, reflect. What has got you here, wherever you are now, 
isn't necessarily going to get you there, wherever your there is. And what's it going to take and what do you need to do? So for me, I'd got to my mid-40s, executive roles, you know, outwardly very, very successful, inwardly getting better. Um, but what had got me there was not going to get me to the next step. It was no longer serving me. You know, and, and I've written about it, the fact that I could, I could work harder, play harder, swear harder, drink, I still swear harder, uh, drink harder, you know, run with the, run with the boys, um, be one of the boys. I was, I was hard. I was hard at everything, hard at the ball, um, and had diminished within myself those things that I really cared about, really, truly cared about. I had masked the fact that I was a kind and compassionate person. Those who were really close to me knew it, but you know, I, 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 that no longer served me because to get to the next level, you know, and we say that to present yourself at that, let, let's call it the C-suite because, and I'm, I'm careful around that because not everyone, you know, wants to get to the C-suite, but to present yourself at the pinnacle of where you see your career is, it is assumed you're going to have the goods, you know, a track record of, of getting stuff done for your organisation, achieving and sustaining outcomes, but the stuff that's going to, the, the stuff that is going to differentiate you is your EQ. It is your engaging the greatness in others and your personal greatness. That's, you know, the gate opener is getting stuff done for the organisation. What's going to put you apart from your competition is your ability to engage people, take them on the journey, get the coalition of the willing, um, get everyone rowing together and do it in a way that is inspirational. You know, there was this beautiful, unreal ad about Michael Jordan in the 90s that it was the Nike ad, I want to be like Mike. And for me, I, always, I was always looking for my Mike. I want to be like Mike. I had people that I wanted to be like. I had to become Mike. I had to become a person people wanted to be like. That's what I needed to do to go to the next level in my career. I could get, you know, you could put me in any business and I can turn it around and make it work because I can do all of the financials, I can do the strategy, I can do all that kind of stuff. But I need to be much, much more in tune with how to engage and align people but or be more visible about it. This resonates with me so much because I, when I was a student, I looked around and I thought the things that will differentiate me are the the things that will differentiate me are the things that we often call soft skills and i prefer uh seth godin's term of re real skills uh yeah, the things the, that are related to eq everything we're talking about here and communications and and whatnot and that's when i started to really think about and make a concerted effort to work on those things and they are skills they're things that that you can work on, dear listener. There's, there's this kind of belief that you're born with it. That, that's complete BS. Yeah. You know, these are leadership skills. They are 21st century leadership skills. And I include um, inclusion and diversity and all of the stuff that comes around that. These are 21st century leadership skills and they are essential. Because, you know, we've all had or we know of that leader who gets stuff done. But man, they leave the bodies by the wayside. You know, there's just this fallout everywhere they go. Yeah, they might get the, the sales. And, you know, we've heard it. Oh, I don't know if I've talked about the brilliant jerk. Every organisation, the brilliant jerk. 
Michelle, this has been such a wonderful discussion. For our listeners who've really resonated with this and want to learn more and want to engage with us, what can they do? They can jump straight on in and join the leader's circle in a career that soars because there's a couple of things that you can do uh, as part of that. Number one, there's a self-paced exercise, which is part of the tools and resources. So a lot of the, the premium members have the ability to do stuff at their own pace within a career that soars. And the exercise I'd recommend is the who are you called to become. So that question that I was asked at that, at that, uh, that retreat that I went on, I've now turned into a reflective, three-part reflective activity for our leaders to do. It takes time, but by crikey, it's worth doing. So, so that would be number one. And then the second one is if you want to do something in a group, we've got a whole, we always have workshops every month for the leader circle. However, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, in uh, the, the new financial year, I will be launching, or we will be launching, uh, the Get Shit Done Experience, which is a, frankly, it's a boot camp, boot camp for leadership and life. And well, that's my mantra, right? Get shit done, but the right shit done. And so <laughs> look out for that. I can't wait. I'll be there. So definitely join us. You can find an easy link to access a career that soars by visiting leadtosoar.com. That's leadtosoar.com and clicking the ACTS link. Thank you again, Michelle. And thanks everybody for joining us today for this discussion on leadership and what you cause. Thanks, Mel. Great discussion. Thank you for downloading Lead to Soar. We so appreciate your support in the form of subscribing, rating, and reviewing the Lead to Soar podcast. We especially appreciate when you share Lead to Soar with friends and colleagues. Lead to Soar is hosted and produced by Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher. To get in touch with either, visit michelleredfern.com and melbutcher.com. Lead to Soar is a production of A Career That Soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Until next time, stay focused and lead on.